Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 172. Today's big Bible question, will God judge Christians based on their works or their faith? Hello, everybody, and happy Thursday to you. Thank you to those who joined us last night for our discussion of race and the Bible at VBC Salinas on Facebook. I'm thinking about cutting that message and putting it into the podcast feed for those who missed it. Take it or leave it, of course, no pressure, but uh, that might show up in the next day or two. Today's Bible readings include Deuteronomy 23, Psalms 112 through 113, Isaiah 50, and Revelation 20. Our focus passage is in Revelation 20, and it's probably going to be in Revelation for the next couple of days, too, because 21 and 22 are just so awesome and encouraging. And we're considering what is called the Great White Throne Judgment. So let's read the chapter together. And pay attention because our focus section is at the very end of Revelation 20. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key to the abyss and a great chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who was the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, closed it, and put a seal on it so that he would no longer deceive the nations until the thousand years were completed. After that, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones and people seated on them who were given authority to judge. I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and who had not accepted the mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. They came up across the breadth of the earth and surrounded the encampment of the saints, the beloved city. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne and one seated on it. Earth and heaven fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, by what was written in the books. Then the sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Each one was judged according to their works. Death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So this is a surprising passage for some because twice here it is said that people are judged according to their works. Well, surely the just shall live by faith, right? That's what the Bible says. How is it that if salvation is by grace through faith and not by works, and it is, that all people will be judged according to their works? That's a great question. And before we dive too deeply into it, I would like to point out that it isn't just Revelation that notes this particular coming judgment of works. Psalm 62, 12, faithful love belongs to you, Lord, for you repay each according to his works. 
Matthew 16:27 straight from the mouth of Jesus. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will reward each according to what he has done. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen and 15. No wonder, says Paul, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no great surprise if his ser- servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will be according to their works. 1 Peter 1, 17. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. And finally, and perhaps most completely, Romans 2, 6-11. He will repay each one according to his works. Eternal life to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, but wrath and anger to those who are self-seeking and disobey the truth while obeying unrighteousness. There will be affliction and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what is good, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for there is no favoritism with God. So salvation is not by works or good deeds, acts of righteousness, but by faith. Now that said, as James tells us, there is no such thing as a real living and saving faith that does not produce works of righteousness and obedience. James 2.14 says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. But you don't give him what the body needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. Consider also Titus 1, 15 and 16. It's not just James saying this. To the pure, everything is pure. But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They claim to know God, but they deny him by their works. I believe that this dynamic is exactly what Jesus was referring to in Matthew 7:15 when he said, "Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Now those who are truly saved will show evidence of good fruit, righteous deeds, or works. And according to Jesus, Christians will be judged based on these good deeds and rewarded accordingly. I do not think for Christians that the great white throne judgment is a heaven or hell judgment, but it is a judgment of works and deeds. And I believe Paul is referring to this same dynamic in 1 Corinthians 3, although he does use a lot of figurative language here. He says, For no one can lay any foundation other than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, Each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. 
Now, John Piper recognizes here the interplay between faith and works, and he offers a very sound explanation as to why the judgment by works does not mean salvation by works. And do notice as I read this how he contrasts answer number one, which is salvation is by works and perfect obedience, in other words, the wrong answer, with answer number two, which is salvation is by grace through faith and will produce works and obedience, which is the right answer. So Piper says, what is in question is how the judgment according to works here in Romans 2, 6 through 10 and Revelation 20 fits together. I said in general, there are two possible answers to this question. One says that eternal life is based on perfect obedience if anybody had it, but nobody does. And so the only way to eternal life is by faith in Christ. The other way says that God never promised eternal life on the basis of good deeds, but always makes good deeds the evidence of faith that unites us to God in Christ, who is the basis of eternal life. Let me try to say it another way using Romans 2 verse 7 in particular. Verse 7 says to those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, God will give eternal life. Well, what does that mean? The first answer, the answer of uh, salvation through works, it would mean that God would give eternal life on the basis of perfect obedience if anybody had it, has it, but nobody does. And so the point of the verse is simply to stress the hopelessness of man without the gospel of grace. The other answer would say, it means that God does indeed give eternal life to those who persevere in obedience, not because this obedience is perfect or because it is the basis of the mer- or the merit of eternal life, but because saving faith always changes our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit so that true believers persevere in doing good. In other words, a changed life of obedience to God's truth is not the basis of eternal life, but the evidence of authentic faith which unites us to Christ, who is the basis of eternal life. Now, I think this second way of viewing these verses is correct. This is why verse 6 says, God will render to every person according to his deeds, not on the basis of his deeds or because of the merit of his deeds. Eternal life is always based on Jesus Christ and through our faith. But since faith by the Holy Spirit always sanctifies or changes us into the image of Christ one degree at a time, according to 2 Corinthians 3, there will be deeds that accord with or agree with this saving faith. So while eternal life will be rewarded only to believers, it will be rewarded according to, there will be in accord with their deeds. There will be a way of life that God can put on display to demonstrate to the world that the person's faith was real. Now, in none of these texts does it say that eternal life is earned by or merited or based on good deeds. They simply say, in effect, that the final verdict of eternal life will accord or agree with good deeds. They go together. And the reason they go together is not that works has replaced faith or that merit has replaced grace, but because the gospel of justification by faith is the power of God unto salvation. It is not a weak thing. The gospel does not come into a life and leave it under the dominion of sin. It comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. And where it is believed, trusted, and cherished, it produces what Paul calls the obedience of faith. And eternal life always accords or agrees with that. So that's that's pretty theological. We got into some pretty theological deep areas today, but I think it's pretty important because if you are just reading this passage and not wrestling with how it fits into the rest of the Bible, it's a little confusing to see this judgment by works. But in the context of the gospel and salvation by grace through faith, 
which produces works, it makes a lot more sense. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 1. Oh boy. No man whose testicles have been crushed or whose penis has been cut off may enter the Lord's assembly. No one of illegitimate birth may enter the Lord's assembly. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, may enter the Lord's assembly. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the Lord's assembly. None of their descendants, even to the tenth generation, may ever enter the Lord's assembly. This is because they did not meet you with food and water on the journey after you came out of Egypt, and because Balaam, son of Beor, from Pethor in Aram, Naharim, was hired to curse you. Yet the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loves you. Never pursue their welfare or prosperity as long as you live. Don't Do not despise an Edomite, because he is your brother. Do not despise an Egyptian, because you were a resident alien in his land. The children born to them in the third generation may enter the Lord's assembly. When you are encamped against your enemies, be careful to avoid anything offensive. If there is a man among you who is unclean because of a bodily emission during the night, he must go outside the camp. He may not come anywhere inside the camp. When evening approaches, he is to wash with water, and when the sun sets, he may come inside the camp. You are to have a place outside the camp and go there to relieve yourself. You are to have a digging tool in your equipment. When you relieve yourself, dig a hole with it and cover up your excrement. For the Lord your God walks throughout your camp to protect you and deliver your enemies to you, so your encampments must be holy. He must not see anything indecent among you, or he will turn away from you. Do not return a slave to his master when he has escaped from his master to you. Let him live among you wherever he wants within your city gates. Do not mistreat him. No Israelite woman is to be a cult prostitute, and no Israelite man is to be a cult prostitute. Do not bring a female prostitute's wages or a male prostitute's earnings into the house of the living the Lord your God to fulfill any vow, because both are detestable to the Lord your God. Do not charge your brother interest on silver, food, or anything that can earn interest. You may charge a foreigner interest, but you not, must not charge your brother Israelite interest so that the Lord your God may bless you in everything you do in the land you are entering to possess. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to keep it, because he will require it of you and it will be counted against you as sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, it will not be counted against you as sin. Be careful to do whatever comes from your lips, because you have freely vowed what you promised to the Lord your God. When you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat as many grapes as you want until you are full, but do not put any in your container. When you enter your neighbor's standing grain, you may pluck heads of grain with your hand, but do not put a sickle to your neighbor's grain. Well, isn't that a fascinating passage? I do want to say this. I rarely talk between scripture passages, but I am disqualified from entering the Lord's assembly based on one of these early passages in Deuteronomy 23. And no, it's not verse 1, it's verse 2. No one of illegitimate birth may enter the Lord's assembly. None of his descendants, even to the tenth generation, may enter the Lord's assembly. Well, friends, I am of illegitimate birth. Uh, There's a name for that. I won't say it now. It's offensive to you, not so much to me, but I am that. My mother had me when she was 14. I was conceived when she was 13, possibly by rape. I don't know. I've never met my mother. I only know very little about the situation. Um, I was adopted by parents and raised very well, but if I had been living in old covenant times, I would not, nor would my children, nor eight generations from me, 
be allowed to enter the Lord's assembly. And I will tell you, I am glad that uh, by the grace of Christ, I can. Psalms 112, verse uh, 1. Hallelujah. Happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to the one who leads generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. His heart is assured. He will not fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked one will see it and be angry. He will gnash his teeth in despair. The desire of the wicked leads to ruin. Psalm 113, praise to the merciful God. Hallelujah. Give praise, servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be blessed both now and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, let the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord is exalted above all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, the one enthroned on high? Who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap in order to seat them with nobles, with the nobles of his people. He gives the childless woman a household, making her the joyful mother of children. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 50 verse 1. Where is your mother's divorce certificate that I used to send her away? Or to which of my creditors did I sell you? Look, you were sold for your iniquities, and your mother was sent away because of your transgressions. Why was no one there when I came? Why was there no one to answer when I called? Is my arm too weak to redeem, or do I have no power to rescue? Look, I dry up the sea by my rebuke. I turn the river into a wilderness. Their fish rot because of lack of water and die of thirst. I dress the heavens in black and make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn back. I gave my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who tore out my beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. The Lord God will help me. Therefore, I have not been humiliated. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know I will not be put to shame. The one who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us confront each other. Who has a case against me? Let him come near me. In truth, the Lord God will help me. Who will condemn me? Indeed, all of them will wear out like a garment. A moth will devour them. Who among you fears the Lord and listens to his servant? Who among you walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and let him lean on his God. Look, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with torches, walk in the light of your fire and of the torches you have lit. This is what you'll get from my hand. You will lie down in a place of torment. Well, may the reading of the word be blessing and edifying for you, dear friends. Good day to you and Godspeed.